You know what? Let's do a shout out. Okay, who do you want to shout out to? Well, what about those two people that listen to our podcast <laughs> from Chihuahua, Mexico? Yes, that's the first time the country of Mexico has appeared on our stats for listeners. We have so many other countries that listen, but I thank them for joining us. Salute to our new friends in Mexico. And I also want to say I did look up the city of Chihuahua and they have quite a bit of an art scene going on down there. So this is very cool. Very cool. everyone and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Ingie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Rope Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen and we're available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts. No matter what you do creatively, this is the podcast for you. And please tell your friends about the Thought Rope Podcast. Well, Ingie, what are we going to discuss today? Well, today we're going to be speaking with Mickey Kennedy. He is the owner of a public relations firm that are experts in press releases. Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. You know, I might add that what made this interview interesting when it comes to creativity is he happens to also be an accomplished poet. Yeah, that's very true. Well, how about your quote? Okay, Speaking well, of poetry, yeah. I bet it's going to work with poetry. It is going to work with poetry. So here is the quote for this week. Genuine poetry can communicate before it is understood. And that is by T.S. Eliot. You know, what I've noticed about quotes from poets, their quotes always seem to be like they really hit the mark. Uh-huh. And I have to admit, I don't, I have to read a poem Numerous times before I really grasp, but I don't usually get it first time unless it's pretty simple. Right. I know when I read your poetry, mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. I'll say, you know, I have to read this a couple of times. But then once it finally sinks in, then I really get it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel that way about poetry. But what's interesting about poetry, and I think this probably is true for most people, is you you will have a lot of feelings when you read them, but you can't really put your finger on it. And then you'll start to feel like you're getting images and and an understanding of it. And it kind of has to develop. And it's not one of those things that not, not all the time is it just obvious like a like a story necessarily well probably a lot of that has to do at least i think and this is the way i interpret them mm-hmm. is the words the vocabulary uh, sometimes true. they're very flowery very sentimental mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times you know the word love is involved it makes you become more passionate about what you're reading even though you don't necessarily understand what it's communicating to you mm-hmm. but this quote of his by t.s Eliot. That's pretty interesting. And I can, I can relate. Yeah. I don't, I don't always get it. I first went to admit it. That might be probably because I'm not real good at writing poetry. You have that gift in this household, not me. No, I mean, I think that you do if you, if you really want to develop it, I guess. So well, it's where your interests are. That's probably true. Yeah. Okay. So now it's your turn, Rod. We are ready for Rod's motivational moments. For some reason, I thought you were going to ask me what we had for breakfast. <laughs> No. But you probably would know because I believe you're the one who fixed it. Yes, I did. And I'm the one that gobbled it down. (laughs) 
Well, my motivational thought is every human being on the planet has the same 24 hours a day. It makes a lot of sense to use those hours wisely. There couldn't be a truer statement because we have the same hours, 24 hours, every single person as Nikolai Tesla. Oh, good choice. And he accomplished so much. What, what was it we heard? That he had 80 trunkfuls of ideas that were locked away. Inventions and, and ideas. Inventions and ideas. And so if he can do that, so can you. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you need to give yourself some time to sleep, eight hours, but that leaves how many hours to be creative? I don't know. Math is not my <laughs> good point. Well, I don't know. What is it? 16 it hours, something be, like it's, that. It's probably 16. Yeah. But just think what you can do in those 16 hours. Yeah. You can, you can achieve a lot. I mean, most really successful people use those hours and unfortunately sometimes more. They forget to get a good night's sleep, which is critical to your thinking and being creative and being innovative. So sleep is a big issue. It is. And also using time to think. Uh-huh. And that is the one thing that some of the great thinkers of the world will set aside time to read and also think. So you need to set aside time to reflect and also read and learn. Yeah, I like to put on a headset and listen to classical music. And sometimes it puts me to sleep, but it's a very restful sleep. But more often than not, I just really, really good ideas, thoughts come into my head. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that time. It's it's some of the most relaxing time that I spend. I really should try to do it more often, mm-hmm. but it's really important. So, yeah, you know, every single person on the planet's got 24 hours a day. You're going to sleep some of it, but try to make the best out of every hour you can. Make it Make it productive or make it healthy for yourself. Right. Okay. I, now I want to pick up on something your sister and her husband said this morning when we were talking to them on the phone. And that was about our podcast featuring creative people. Yeah, that was somewhat revealing because yeah. as we've mentioned before, we celebrate what people love to do creatively, but that doesn't necessarily mean we only chat with artists and the like. We think everybody is creative in something. That's so true. And you know what? Creativity is just not for people in the arts. Like it can involve, you can be creative as an athlete. You can be creative in, that's good yeah, choice. like uh, cooking. You can be creative in, well, of course, crafting, which I have zero talent in that area for some reason. But, you know, you know it's, there's so many different ways that you can be creative. And even like our guest, that he, he has a, a press release company that, you know, he's very good about crafting different kinds of press releases for people. Which requires creativity. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, business people can be very creative and they develop and come up with different kinds of products and going all the way back to sewing, like you said, quilters. Quilters, sewing, or people that just invent things. Yeah. That's incredibly creative. Speaking to my brother-in-law who was on the call, he makes furniture, beautiful furniture. He's Absolutely got a nice gorgeous. wood shop that's associated with their house. And I know he takes advantage of the hours he has in the day to go out there and build things. And they're really quite spectacular. Mm-hmm. And the thing about being creative, 
that I've noticed. And I think that anyone who gets into their creativity, whatever it may be, is that it brings you a sense of incredible satisfaction and incredible accomplishment and uh, a peaceful feeling. And it gets rid of the anxiety in your life. So if you, if you keep making excuses and putting things in front of your creativity that you would like to get into or a lot more time to, you'll find that you're going to feel a lot better about yourself, your life. You're going to have more patience and things and And you're going to be more tolerant and have energy. And excitement. Yeah. And a sense of accomplishment. Rather you're making something with your hands, which is really kind of nice. Or if you're just crafting a, a poem that you're writing out. True. And if you can write it out longhand, I think that's kind of a nice thing, too. You know, they say that I've read about that, that if you're a writer, it's really good to write out Mm -hmm. things longhand, at least periodically. I mean, everybody's using a computer, but it's really important to not lose your skill of writing out things longhand because it's very tactile and you get feedback in it. I don't completely understand what that's all all about, but I've been reading about it and it's pretty amazing the feedback that your whole body gets when you write, not just your hand. It's pretty interesting. So true. And, you know, I, I think that if you feel like you're not even creative in the tiniest bit, I think a great way to be creative is to have a journal. Make yourself a journal. In fact, we have one on our website that was by Angelina Fielding. Guests that we had, and it's a junk journal and it's a work of art that she made. But if you just want to write in a journal, you can certainly purchase one. And then also we were discussing about putting a journal that people can write in on our website at thoughtroadpodcast.com. So you can, yeah, we're going to be having that pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. We're really excited about it. And that way it will help to promote creativity in your life every morning when you sit down and you have your coffee, tea or whatever, you can write down in your journal what your thoughts are for the day. Yeah. And I want to also make a comment about artists. Mm -hmm. I know that artists, myself included, like to hear what other artists have to say. But, you know, we've learned that you can discover so much Mm -hmm. about people that are living creatively and from people that are not in the traditional world of creative being creative like artists sculptors so true i mean people that share their creative passion no matter what their medium or for that matter what their occupation is seem to provide insights that are inspirational to anyone wanting to live creatively. I know that when we get feedback on the various people that we had on the podcast, people will say to us, you know, I really enjoyed that episode and I never really thought about this or I never really thought about that or that person's life experience is similar to mine. You know, not everybody has a rosy life and they have to overcome or deal with certain things that have happened in their life that may have slowed their creative process Mm -hmm. down. But we all learn by what other people have to say. It's been, it's been very rewarding and it's been rewarding for me and I'm pretty sure it has been for you too, Angie. But I I have to say that, you know, you may not want to hear what a guy talks about regarding press releases, or you may not want to hear what an opera singer has to say, but trust me, they have a lot of interesting things to say that will benefit your own life of being a creative person. 
You know, the comments that I've heard from different people that we've talked to is they go, you know, I really didn't know that I would be interested in that. And once I started listening, it was like, oh, their life is so interesting. And and I learned from this incident that they talked about in their life or this experience. So it's very, you, you learn through communication with one another and you learn through other people's the way they, they deal with their trials in life. Good point. And, you know, the other thing I want to point out is seeing how we interview people from all over the world in different cultures. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of special to hear their take specifically from their country. True. You know, one of, true. one of our, um, the most recent one that we've uh, interviewed was somebody from India. And it, just asking her what she had for breakfast that was fascinating. It was fascinating, and I wanted to try it immediately. Yeah, <laughs> it sounded you know, really good. It's, I know people think, oh, they're going to have that signature question, oh, what did they have for breakfast? But we it's do it for two same. reasons. It's yeah, it's, we do it for two reasons. One, we're always looking for something interesting to have for right. breakfast. But the second part of that is, is it lets people have an idea of what somebody in another country is doing. People from, where is it, Sweden? or other places, they have really interesting mm-hmm. breakfasts. I mean, they're not the Southern California bacon and eggs kind of breakfast by no, any it's, stretch. it's very different. Country by country, it's very different. Yeah. Well, speaking of creative occupations, let's bring on Mickey Kennedy, ereleases.com. Mickey, welcome to the Thought Row podcast. It's going to be really good to speak with you today. Yes, it is. Hi, Mickey. It's good to chat with you today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. It's good to have you here. And you're calling us. We're talking to you from where are you? I'm in Baltimore County, Maryland. Oh, nice. Nice. Very pretty. You know, I want to tell people, Mickey, to share with our listeners how we found out about you. Both Itchy and I have written numerous press releases over the years, and I thought I would do a little research on public relations companies. So I Googled it, of course, (laughs) and your company, e-releases, popped up. And after reviewing your company website and watching your video, which I thought was really good. That was good. I discovered two things about you. You have a great PR company, but also that you are a published poet. I found that very interesting. Yes, but I also want to add, I want to congratulate you on having excellent SEO because you came in on the top of the pile, which is a big thing these days. There's and so much SEO especially going Especially in that category. Right, right. And it's so interesting that so many talented people that we've talked to manage their own you know, companies. They also are very creative in some art form, of course, because they're creative people. And I know they would be interested in learning how they can get more press coverage. And what do you think about that, Mickey? What do you think about you landing on top of the SEO? Yes. Right. Well, I, I, I think it's an important aspect of the business. I think it helps that we've been in business for over 22 years. So there's you know, a lot of content and a lot of people linking to us over the years and see us as an authority. But, you know, at the the end of the day, uh, we're still fighting to get people's attention that press releases exist and that PR is something that a small business, an entrepreneur, a speaker, an author, any of those people could afford and implement. 
yeah, it seems like a really good way to go for anybody that wants to let the world know that they're alive and well and exist. Right. And also, I think our conversation today might help to clarify, you know, what what is it's about. So as a creative, you will feel more comfortable maybe engaging someone that could do that for you. Yeah, understanding. Right. But before we move on, Mickey, we always like to ask our guests what they had for breakfast. So what did you have this morning? I had some uh, macadamias and that's it. Just uh, some macadamias friends brought back from Hawaii. And they were really good. Oh. In that great little can that they all seem to come in. They're so good, though. <laughs> the, blue, the blue can, I think. I think we got one once. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> That's a good breakfast. That's protein. It's and, not protein. It's good for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very healthy. And, and my understanding is that the macadamia is really high in omega-3s as far as nuts go. So it's a really healthy fat. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it would be good for uh, your brain also. Yes. Yeah. So let's start with what we all want to know is how did you get into the public relations business? Right. So I guess around 25 years ago, I was working for a telecom startup. Um, I was finishing up grad school at the time. And I think that I'd already done all my classes. I just needed to work on my thesis and submit it. But one of the things that I did as employee number three was PR as well as marketing and sales. And the PR component was us faxing press releases. And because we were publishing numbers and statistics, a lot of journalists started to call and say, could you just email that to me so I could copy and paste it? And that's when the light bulb went off that you know mm-hmm. email is so much superior to faxing. And I... I I mentioned it to my boss and he said, hey, you should chart a business. And I spent about a year contacting journalists. And when I launched a year later, I had about almost 10,000 journalists who had said yes. And I could send them press releases on various different subjects. Wow, that's terrific. You had such um, good response. Right. And then over the years, PR Newswire reached out to us and said, hey, you should also send your releases through us. And I pointed out that their average rate for a national press release is $1,000. And my clients are paying at the time a couple hundred dollars and it just would be out of their budget. And we eventually came to a win-win situation where we started to schedule our releases for the next business day. So that their editorial staff that is uh, in place overnight, which, you know, unfortunately they don't do very much, but they have to be there. Mm -hmm. It gave them something to do. So there's no additional labor for them. So we did try to carve it out to be a win-win between the two. So all of our releases now go out nationally over PR Newswire, as well as to the email distribution that we still have. That's fantastic. What's your email distribution, if I remember right, is pretty substantial. It is. We no longer house our own database. We do rely on the decision database that we have. And Mm -hmm. we did put our journalists in there. So we are still reaching them, but it just through their platform. Oh, great. Well, that gives you maximum, I'm guessing that gives you maximum coverage throughout this country. And I'm going to ask you this question, kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves a tiny bit, but I did want to ask this question before I forget it. What about international? I know some of our mm-hmm. listeners are creative people and they're in all parts of the world. So maybe just quickly, you could address the uh, potential right. for distributing internationally. Right. So we do send internationally, it, mostly the email distribution rather than the wire internationally. It 
it's it's not our strength. We're really good at U.S. national okay. and including the wire. But when it comes to international, we don't get as much of a call for it. So it's just something that we have available through the email distribution, but it is fairly limited. Okay. Well, that's a good answer. That's good to know. Aswin, could you tell us what the biggest advantage of sending out press releases are? The biggest advantage is leverage. So, for example, last year during the pandemic, we did a press release for a dining bond initiative that a small PR firm was leading and putting out. And we just did one press release and we sent it out and the response was just overwhelming. 150 plus places picked it up. The Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, all the food magazines and trade publications picked it up. It was in newspapers. It went international and and did very well internationally. And it was millions of dollars in revenue was created through that that went to local restaurants that were closed and gave them some uh, revenue at a time where they didn't have any. And it was a very positive way in which people could help their local restaurants that invite them to participate in it. And so, you know, it, it was a very short-lived thing, but it was a very positive thing at a negative time. Mm-hmm. And it was just a perfect storm. And millions of dollars were, in revenue were created at a cost that would have been like two to $300 to send out through us. I did it for free and as a courtesy with the PR firm, and it seemed like a really good But, you know, that kind of leverage you can't get anywhere else. I mean, you can create a really good Google ad but you can't put $200 into it and get millions of dollars out. It just doesn't happen. But that element of leverage is one of the things where PR works extremely well. So that's an extreme example, but it's not unusual for people to do a PR campaign of four to eight press releases and you know have spent under $3,000 and come back to us and say, hey, you know, some of these press releases didn't do well, some of them did. Altogether, we can determine that we generated, you know, sixty thousand dollars, eighty thousand dollars. And the great thing about it is the the revenue generally continues to come because these articles live on. They're on other websites, and you know the traffic will just continue to be there. And in addition to that, you can leverage it yourself. You can share if you get an article, say in the New York Times, you could share that with your own community, your customers your social media. So it's a great way to show that there's been uh, credibility created and that there's almost an implied endorsement that, you mm-hmm. know, this news outlet picked you to write an article about. Yeah. It remains evergreen. It never goes away at that point. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'd like to, I'd like to congratulate you yes, on doing so such wonderful. a wonderful thing for all those restaurants. I mean, we all know that it's been very challenging for just about everybody, but restaurants were hit particularly hard. And the program that you put together, I mean, that's that's incredible. That's That's fabulous. That's so wonderful. Well, I guess, you know, most every company and for that matter, individual artists can benefit from having a well-written press release and having it distributed properly. What are your thoughts on that? I know you kind of touched on that, but. Tell us more about that. Right. So I am going to just to to say that I feel a well-written press release is a lot less important than a well-strategic press release. And I've changed quite a bit. I, I wrote, I think, 
eight to 10 years ago, a book on writing press releases. And I really believed that writing the most perfect press release was the way to get success. And what I've determined is it's not. I do press releases every single day for clients that do nothing. They get no media coverage. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably the majority of the press releases that we do. And and then I have cu- customers who repeatedly get media coverage all the time. And the difference isn't how well-written the press release is. It's how strategic the press release is. For example, I have uh, a client that just does surveys and studies because they represent lots of different industries they can do a study on each industry. And a lot of them lately have been, how have you been addressing post-pandemic? How do you see yourself transitioning? Will your staff be coming back to work? What does your marketing budget look like going forward? And all this data within an industry is really important and people really like it. And so they do very well. Almost every press release that they do based on a survey or study generally gets between eight and 14 articles written about them. And those are unique articles. It's not the press release replicated on a bunch of websites, which does happen every time a press release is issued. But you know these are meaningful articles that get out there that create links and traffic and you know are huge credibility indicators to a particular website and that's what can happen with a strategic press release. Unfortunately, a lot of the press releases I get is you know Anne has now gone from an uh, associate director right. of HR to yeah. an assistant or you know you know, master director or executive director or managing director of of some department. And it's really not that important outside maybe a couple of trade publications and a newspaper. So I, I would say just email it directly to those three places and save yourself the money. If you're going to send something over a wire and through a service like ours, really try to, you know, present yourself with the most newsworthy mm-hmm. announcement you can do. And so many people get tripped up on that, that they just say, well, I'm not newsworthy. And the example of the survey and studies is one that I have put together in some training that I have. And I've actually worked with a local auto repair shop in uh, Pennsylvania that was mm-hmm. looking to get links from auto industry trades. They're not important. They they're, they are not pillars of the automotive industry. They're just one local auto trade shop. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they put together a survey with some advice for me. And one of the questions that they asked was, what's the strangest thing someone left in their car while being repaired? And it was just open field where people just put stuff. And they didn't know who to send it to because they don't know other auto repair shops. So I suggested that they reach out to a small trade association, which they did, Association of Independent uh, Auto Repair Centers. And they sent it out to their members, about 800 uh, of them filled out the survey. I think having the trade association mentioned in the press release was a win-win because these small trade associations don't get a lot of love and attention. So it was a great way to mention them. And it also adds credibility to you that, you know, you did this survey in partnership with them. They got over 10 auto industry trade publications writing articles about the survey. They got lots of newspapers, including their local newspaper, picked it up. And we weren't initially sure it would work in the general market, but it did. And it was a huge success. They were looking for links to a new website they uh, had put up 
because their old website was tied to the yellow pages. It was a free page that they were hosting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it ended or whether their marketing with the yellow pages ended, but at some point their website went down and they had to create a new domain and a new website and they just weren't ranking. Oh, yeah. within, Boy, just, yeah. within just a few weeks, they were ranking in their area as number one based on you know the fact that in the automotive industry, having a lot of auto industry trade publications linking to you mm-hmm. is a huge credibility indicator. So yeah. they just rose to the top. And that to me, that you know, that's kind of a tough category to come up with a strategy like you did. And the right. auto industry is, I mean, it's hard to make things really interesting there. I mean, everybody knows right. they need to have their car fixed. Right. And that's about as far as they think about it. I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I tap into your expertise a little bit. How do you think you would craft or an idea on how you would craft a survey that would be applicable to an artist, a writer, a poet, right. which we'll discuss in a little bit? <laughs> I would say, is there a way that you could? get asked some questions that would be relevant for your community. So if you're an artist, you know, how are other artists right now? Can you take their temperature where they are right now? How was the pandemic? How did it affect your livelihood? Has, you know, how, you know, is what you're doing changed because of it? Uh, Are you making more? Are you making less? What are the you know types of of, of things that you're utilizing? You, you want to you know ask some questions that are really specific to you. But I think that so many people would be interested in this. Other artists, communities, artist blogs, artist trade publications that might exist, newspapers that have art sections. A lot of them would find it very interesting to see how you know, artists are doing right now and how they're, they've coped with the pandemic and what they see going forward. You know, what, what's their outlook? Is mm-hmm. it positive? Is it negative? And I, I think that right now is a really good time for a lot of people and a lot of different, you know, groups like authors, writers, things like that to put together a survey and send it out. Again, you don't have to know the people. You can, you know, reach out to a, a great blog or a trade association just somebody that has a community of people that would be really good to, you know, send out a link to your survey and get them to participate. That's a really a great idea. And there's a lot of ways to attract lists and there are artist associations of just about every genre you can think of. How would you tie that or would you even tie that back to say a press release? Would the press release announce the, the right. survey? Yes. Yes, that's correct. And, and that's what, uh, we, we do in our cases, we talk about the survey that we did, you know, little some specifics of how large the survey was. We usually link to a page where all the results are published because generally you might ask 40, 50 questions in a survey and you can't really give all of them attention in a press release. But focus on a couple of the, the really interesting questions. And you can actually have a really great quote as well. So let's say we found out that people... And, you know, the visual arts have shifted what they're creating and are relying more on, let's say, online prints rather than originals. And, you know, then you could have a quote saying, you know, what I what I believe this means is that, you know, people are becoming more comfortable interacting with people virtually and also, you know, approaching art virtually as well. And, and you can have a really nice quote and it would be you. As, as a fellow artist in there. And again, you, you could focus on a couple of the really cool 
questions that are in there. I always say throw a quirky question or two in there. Mm. The, the one I mentioned with the auto industry was the strangest things people left in their cars. That was what went viral. Almost 95% I, I of the bet. coverage. Yeah, I could see that. Because yeah. So interesting topic. Yeah, 95% of the coverage was these stories. Because <laughs> almost everything that got left was a story. A boa constrictor got left. Oh, in the gosh. Car. Uh, grandma was left in an urn and they needed to retrieve it so that they could have a memorial service in the mm. midst of a, a repair. So there was just lots of little strange things that people have done over the years. And that was what people resonated with. And so always try to come up with some really solid questions and you know maybe even take the pulse of others and say, what would you like to know what's going on right now? What's your struggles right now in the artist community? Maybe we could get some opinions out there on it or some suggestions and things like that as well. So I think that's great. Right. I, I, I really like the quirky attitude. There. Me too. It's so funny to hear all the, the people stories. Love, people at the point, love yeah. things like that, you know, people, but, people love stories. They love anything that sort of is entertaining. And if you understand that while you want to get media coverage for you, the journalist is actually a gatekeeper and deciding what content will be of interest to his audience. And so anything you can do to increase the likelihood that the audience would find it engaging, interesting, titillating, that's going to do really well. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you can approach it from that standpoint, it can work really well for you. So many people are just like, I just want to get, you know, sell product X. I just want to announce product X. And there's really nothing that's interesting or compelling to share with uh, readers. You know, it's almost like the, the the journalist sees those types of press releases and says, just buy an ad. You know, there's nothing here for me to create a, to create an article. Yeah, right, really. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're, you're making them have to work pretty hard yeah. and they're not, and they're getting tons of these things that are handed to them almost daily. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So what is the biggest misconception about writing a press release? I think that some, I I think the biggest hangup is so many people just discount PR and just say, I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not important enough to, to, for, to, to utilize PR. And the really thing is that the people who often have the most success are the ones that are the small. They are completely authentic and upfront about who they are and where they are in their chapter of their business. We had a client that was looking to get their story out. And he told me that they had just spent their Thanksgiving instead of eating turkey and everything like normal with a few friends in their dining room, putting together packages and you know, working out of their garage as well to try to get ready for all of the orders that they had had because a lot of their stuff was geared up to before Christmas as oh, holiday present. Yeah. And that was success to them. And they they were, you know, they mentioned it just. And I said, I think that's the story we should run with. And they were embarrassed. They're like, I wouldn't want other people to know that. And I said, no, that's the type of story yeah, for that sure. people, yeah. people resonate with. They find it authentic. It's a struggle. It's an obstacle. Everybody has growing pains. And they got picked up by Inc. Magazine because of that. It resonated so well that they got several business newspapers and magazines picked them up. But Inc. was the big one. And, you know, 
you know, just because you're small, just because you don't feel you're important, doesn't mean that you're not, you don't have something that's worthy of sharing with the world. Well, that, uh, journalism, that yeah, I'm sorry. That was just very entrepreneurial. I mean, that every was. entrepreneur in the world relate knows, can it. relate to yeah. that. And they would find that. I think that's why Inc. and people like that picked it up because they know that that's kind of more typical. That happens more typically than one would think. I mean, I know right. we've worked on holidays with family and everything yeah, else. Absolutely. I'm sure there's probably lots of people out also, there that have also, done that. Also, I think that so many of these corporations started out kind of in that same boat. In the garage. In the garage or in the back room or, you know, doing it over dinner. There's just, you know, you, you as an entrepreneur, you start somewhere. Yeah, Mickey, that was really good. That's such a good thing. Yeah. And another thing is journalists often like undiscovered little gems. They like to be seen as curators. And it, you're generally not going to curate a giant multi-billion dollar company. It's going to be a small, undiscovered, you know, startup or Indiegogo or Kickstarter or something like that. And that's why a lot of those do really well with PR. And it's because journalists can say, hey, this is kind of interesting. And I think my audience would find it engaging. So let me write an article about it. Oh, yeah. yeah see, I can see that. Yeah, I've noticed that your company crafts press releases. In fact, you talk about that on your website pretty extensively, and it was really informative. Do you have any experience in writing press releases that are applicable to people that are in the art world? I know you do it for corporations, and I know you do it for startups, but what about people that are specifically artistic people? Artistic people, yeah. Yes, we do. We had an an artist who's a glass artist. I think she was in the Washington, D.C. area. And she did a few press releases with us where we wrote the press releases for her. And we accompanied it with the photos of this amazing glass work. A lot of her stuff gets picked up for commercial use, like a hotel or a signature piece, a, a corporate building or something like that. And she did really with getting picked up in several uh, magazines and, you know, they did uh, really large spotlights of her and asked for many more pictures that they could include. And, you know, that, that, that was one person that did extremely well. I think that so many people forget, you know, multimedia is important. So if you have a video and you're an artist or you have really good pictures, they don't have to be like, professional pictures, but just really good pictures. And you want to include those when you send your release out because a lot of people will look at those. And if it's something that's really, you know, interesting, they'll they'll definitely, you know, seek you out and want to know more about your story. And it is about the story. Especially the art world because it's so visual. Right. I, absolutely. It is. And I, you know what, yeah. I think it's really interesting when you see the artist in their environment, because I know that when I look at pictures, I like to see what's in their studio. I like to see, you know, how they paint, where they create, where they create, what, what their, you know, environment is. And I think it's like you said, it doesn't have to be a formal picture. I think the, the informal candid pictures are far more interesting. Right. And then something that's overly staged, right, right. which leads us to your next question related yes, to, I wanted to creativity. Ask, yeah. I wanted to ask you about your poetry. That was one of the reasons we felt that you would be an excellent guest on a Thought Row podcast is because you write poetry. Has that been a lifelong passion for you? It, it has. 
it, it's something that I've always done. And then I went to graduate school and did an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry. So I really went down the well deep. And I, I felt like I learned how to write and to communicate and to emotionally sort of travel through words. Mm-hmm. And I think it helped me career-wise. I mean, I also think that, you know, some of the times me coming up with surveys and quirky survey questions comes out of my creative mind because uh-huh. I, I sort of think of outside of predictable thought and what would be really interesting and, you know, you know what, what's a crazy question you could ask someone in any field that would probably elicit some really strange and, you know, entertaining answers. I see. That's really good. Very good. Yeah. So, okay, this is going to lead me to ask you, can you please read one of your poems today for us? Sure. Okay. So this one is called Perfect Recall. Are there tears for the poet who stops writing, a grieving for stanzas that now cease to be written, the images and stories of a small town in Western Maryland? Still, the trains run mostly on time, and the commuters have begun the return to normal. An old woman sets her garbage can by the street on account of rain, and the fact she can't be trusted to remember to do it before going to sleep. A child stops at the old train museum and finds the front door slightly open. An old man carrying a box, removing his keys from the lock. She convinces him to let her peek up the stairs. We're in a room off to the right, tracks and countryside meander over felt-covered plywood. Do these moments even exist if the poet stops recording them? Perhaps a girl will grow up and tell the story where she was the lone visitor in the museum, no ticket required, as the man flipped switches and the trains came to life. She says she recognized one of the plastic children in a diorama of a park. It was her daughter, Caitlin then not yet born, whom she only takes this moment now, sometime in the future, to share as she comes in close for a laugh and a hug. That's beautiful. That is very, very wonderful. Uh, Thank wonderful. you for reading that for us today. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you're you know, you're in the business of public relations. And then so for us to say that you're also a poet, well, what you just did is you clearly proved that you're an excellent poet. An outstanding poet. So yeah. I don't know if I want you to write a press release or write a poem. Yeah. <laughs> a poem press release. A what poem do you press think? Release. I don't know, but Will it go over? Mickey, that was that was pretty spectacular. It was beautiful. I mean, we both Angie and I have read a lot of poetry, but I and I could really relate to that one. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of relatable things that you mentioned in that you painted a really wonderful picture. Yeah, when you words. can tell a story in a poem, that's really a, a very uh, visual thing without being visual. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Thank you. I know you've published uh, a book on poetry, mm-hmm. and I think you have a couple of others in the works. Could you tell us about them? Yeah, so I I have a book forthcoming. I think with the pandemic, the publishers, you know, hasn't given us a date because it was supposed to have been out by now, but it's out. And I have a couple of other books that I've completed. I haven't started sending them out because I kind of wanted to wait for the first book to, you know, get out there before I started sending subsequent books. Um, But I still write. I write quite a bit. I have, oh, during the pandemic, 
you know, over the last year and a half, I've probably written close to 250 poems. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, it, it, it's just something that I do these little challenges where I decide after a break that I'm going to try to write something every single day. It may end up being a finished poem. It may just end up being bits and pieces of a poem. You know, one day it might be a revision of, of a poem that I already written, but I, I try to actively write each day. And I feel like I, I can keep that momentum going for about 30 days and then I feel I need a rest. And so mm-hmm. I, I write for 30 days. I take a little time off. I might do some editing during that time. And then, you know, whether it's a month or two months, then I get right back into it and do another 30-day marathon. Mm. That's so wonderful. Okay, when it comes to writing, many people consider poetry as being one of the more difficult things to achieve creatively. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I think that everybody, as a young person, has written a poem and still has that in them. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something that wasn't fostered and appreciated at that time to make them comfortable still doing that later in life. I think that so many people have beautiful words that they can put together. And, you know, sometimes it's just a line or two, but I I think that the potential is there. And I, I hope that poetry will play a bigger part in our education and in society, you know, going forward, because there's a lot of amazing perspectives out there that are being represented in poetry, but there's not a lot of readers. I think there's a lot more poets than there are readers of poets. Yeah. Right. True. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to kind of skip this next question because I think our listeners and I know Angie and I want you to share Mikey, Mike, another Mickey, Mickey, I'm sorry, (laughs) another one of your. Okay. So this one's a little bit different. It's called junk drawer. Uh, A bridge, a brick, a broom, an anchor on the end of a balloon, a handsome cab where the horse wears an ugly face to work, the chalky sliver of a quarter moon. A stolen car contemplates four center blocks for shoes as it adjusts its wipers. The star fruit at the specialty market goes unsold. An igloo with a new pair of wool socks, a surge of surf after the offshore quake. Sirens warn of tidal waves, though none this time. Just a crab that hovers over sand and flits away. A seagull rides a sleeve of wind, white body against a stray blur of sky. Below, a cat is held for the first time, losing its feral ways with each cuddle. An office coffee pot left on warm. The empty glass carafe hisses until the office manager starts a fresh pot. At the League of Registered Voters, There are no superheroes, just a group of concerned volunteers searching for something more. A high school football coach buys a buffalo suit, two sizes too big, because his son will be a freshman in two years. Karma is a fast food apple pie, a car phone charger with a short, the chipped vase you turn around and fill with flowers, the side saddle approach of breaking a cult. Fear is the frog along the pond you place into a burlap bag, the electric bill you find in last month's magazine, a crate where your grandmother kept old rags. The piano master toils on an old upright while rich amateurs buy baby grands. The would-be writer reads another novel, respects the fact there's little left to understand. 
A landfill awaits another man's treasures. The knock and the door sound equally hollow. Wow. Now, uh, you've read two incredible pieces of poetry. Are these both included in the book? In the the new book? In the new book? No, these are very recent. The junk drawer I wrote in June and the perfect recall I wrote just this month. So they're, they're just two fairly new pieces I picked up. Fresh off. Oh, yeah, poetry. fresh you, off the poetry pass. You heard it here first. You know, earlier you mentioned about how when people, maybe when they were younger, had the poetry gene in them or the the vibe. And I wonder with you, was there one special person that was a mentor to you? I think there were several. I, I think I had a great middle school teacher that encouraged me to write. I remember in high school, I had another teacher that really encouraged me to write and felt like something was there. And then later in college, I had many great teachers that fostered the writing. And I did a lot of creative writing as an undergraduate. And then in graduate school, you know, some really great uh, teachers there. Carolyn Forche was one of the more well-known poets that I worked with. And, you know, they, they helped foster this, you know, growth. Of, of me as a writer and really gave me the structure and the discipline to, to continue to write and explore what it is to be a poet. Mm, okay. That's a pretty solid yeah, background. It really is. And inspirational too. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot again. This one in less than five words, what would you tell people that want to live more creatively? You could be flexible on the five words. (laughs) Right. I would say commit to discipline. I think that a lot of people, whether they're artists, visual artists, I know um, someone who works with oil paints. I know someone who, you know, I know a lot of creative people because of my background and who I hang, you know, have, have experienced with over the years. And it's funny because over the years, some of my artist friends have stopped They've stopped producing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, it's, it's like a muscle that you have to exercise with discipline and really commit to it because it's so easy once you get married and have kids to just say, I don't have time for this anymore. Right. It's so easy to say, this is one thing that I just have to put on the back burner and not focus on me. And the, the, the reality of it is, if you watch any TV in your life, you have the time to, you know, do something else life other than watching TV. It could be your writing. You've just made a choice not to. So develop the discipline to trade some of that uh, time that you might spend on TikTok or social media or watching TV and get back into your craft and, and spend some time there exploring. And it's fun. How I used to write 25, 30 years ago is is really different than how I write now. There was a time in there that I got really experimental and was influenced by language poets. And the junk drawer is very reminiscent of that, where it's not narrative and it's more image-based, but you, you really don't know what you're doing other than sort of surfing through lots of images and observations and things like that. But the language stuff wasn't very accessible. And I've gone back to narrative in recent years, and I find that really refreshing because I I think it also has parallels with PR. People 
really resonate with stories. Yes, yeah, stories the key. Right. No one resonated with my experimental poetry. I enjoyed it. It was a time that I explored language and played with stuff, but nobody who read it really appreciated it more than me. And so now I write for others and I, I just feel my work is is a lot more fulfilling because of that. Many of the people that we've interviewed, one of the things about pursuing any form of creativity, even if it's, you know, baking a great cake, is it relieves anxiety Mm -hmm. and there's no shortage of anxiety going around. So if you, like you said, take some time away from television or other maybe menial tasks. I mean, even if you're vacuuming your house, you can think about something creative. Well, you know, the interesting thing about what um, Mickey said and what you're saying, Rod, is that so many times we go in front of the TV to relieve anxiety and it only works up to maybe a teeny amount. But when you actually are doing something creative and you can see, you know, the result of your labor, labor, it tends to make you feel satisfied and less anxiety in your life. Like you have a satisfaction that that brings about a calmness, I think. Yeah, true. And even in writing poetry, even if you're having a hard time coupling words together, just the mere exercise of doing that releases right. anxiety and it gives your brain a way to focus that it doesn't you grow. Focus you're not on. just you being grow. stagnant, you know, of watching TV all the time. Yeah, Mickey, you've obviously yes. grown a lot with your poetry. Yeah. And the different iterations are very... I like the experimental poetry because then it makes you, you know, think on a different level. Right. So very cool. Okay. So now we're going to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests. And that is if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? Um, let's see. I'm not a hundred percent certain I can easily pick one person. I would love to talk with Shakespeare. I would love to talk to people who were like great leaders in the past. There's, there's, there's so many people, but well, I'll it, could say be, Shakespeare. it could be a long bench. I mean, you don't have to have a short bench. <laughs> yeah. Right. It could be a snack bench. I mean, you could have a whole bunch of people in there, right? But pick some favorites. Snacks. Shakespeare, yeah. obviously. Would be other right. Abra- Abraham Lincoln, Shakespeare. Let's see. Some of the poets over the years, Langston Hughes. Oh, yeah. Amiri Baraka. There's, oh, Elizabeth Bishop. There's just so many, you know, great poets that I would just love to have a conversation with, with no expectation other than to enjoy their company and, and maybe just see what they think about the world. If you were to pick one of those, what would be a question that you think you would ask them? Um... I would ask them what was one of their more favorite poems or books that they wrote. It's always interesting to see what someone is closest to emotionally, because often it's not their most famous work. The most meaningful piece to them, probably because of a personal story or, or something, has a deeper resonance than, you know, looking at their stuff and what gets anthologized over the years. Hmm, that's interesting. Well... That's a a very good answer, Mickey. And unfortunately, we've come to the time that we hate. We've got to wrap this up. But I want to thank you for being our guest today. I know that most people that we interview have probably thought about creating some sort of press release promotion. 
And with this interview, we hope that people learned a little bit or maybe took some of the mystery out of it. Right. right. One also, thing I do want to say yeah, is please. that I have a free masterclass on these press release strategies. Like I mentioned, the survey and study, and there's eight of those and it's completely free. I'm trying to get my customers to watch the darn thing. It's less than an hour. But anybody who's considering PR, that's a great way to start and see if it gets your juices flowing about ways in which you could uh, develop strategic press releases. And it's on ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. It's completely free. Uh, My goal is that you uh, take lessons from it and things that might work strategically for you, whether you do it yourself or use a service like ours. Well, actually, we've recommended that to a couple of people. And I told my daughter about it, who has her own company, <laughs> and uh, she watched it. Right. And, and, and really enjoyed it. And, and you know what we'll do is we'll go ahead and put that link in, under the show guest tab. So that way people can click on it and visit it and maybe answer some questions and learn more about it as well. But, but thank you for sharing your poetry with us today, Mickey. And also, like I was saying earlier, just want to let everyone know, if you want to know more about Mickey and his website, we will have the links for him under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com. So everyone can learn more about him and connect with him on social media and his website. Yes, Mickey, thank you for your time today. Yes. It's most insightful. It was a pleasure. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week. So remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband, Rod and I wishing everyone a great day.